This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, here we are. Another week of the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee in the studios of WNSP. I hope you guys had a great weekend. We're back at it for the next three hours right here on the sports station. WNSP and WNSP.com. I feel like I said every Monday, but man, we got a lot to get to. How are you, Mr. Shervain? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much. And the South Alabama basketball team is doing wonderful so far. Tonight, they will take on Louisiana at 6 o'clock. It'll be televised on ESPN2. The winner will march on to the NCAA tournament. The Jags have not been to the NCAA basketball tournament since 0708. That was the last time. If you remember, they went up to Birmingham to take on Butler. They have to get by a Louisiana team that defeated them in the last regular season game. Since then, the Jags won three straight in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, including they beat James Madison last night, and Louisiana defeated Texas State. So tonight, it's all there for Richard Riley and the Jags if they can get by the Raging Cajuns. Uh, And, you know, that win last night also is the first time they have defeated a team in a Sunbelt Conference semifinal since the 09 season. So it's been a long drought. Hopefully it'll end tonight. Uh, some of the other teams, well, we got five teams, Mark, that have already qualified for the NCAA tournament. You got Drake in there. They beat Bradley for the Missouri Valley. You got Kennesaw State going for the first time ever after a win over Liberty in the A Sun. I think this was a program that four years ago, like, won one game, Kennesaw State. And so congratulations to them. North Carolina Asheville wins the Big South. They're in on Saturday, Southeast Missouri State. They won the Ohio Valley. And Fairleigh Dickinson of New Jersey is in, and they don't even have to win the championship game. They're playing Merrimack. Merrimack is ineligible. So Fairleigh Dickinson gets in. The SEC tournament will get underway Wednesday. Alabama's got two buys. They don't play till Friday. Uh, as you know, they got beat by Texas A&M this week. So uh, they'll be waiting around until Friday to take on uh, whoever. I mean, we got you know, there's lots of games before that to see who they're going to play. But we know Auburn will play on Thursday at 6 o'clock against Arkansas. Auburn, after the win over Tennessee, is the seventh seed. And that tournament will get underway this coming Wednesday night with two games, uh, starting off with Ole Miss will be in action against South Carolina. Speaking of South Carolina, the women's team, ranked number one in the nation, beat Tennessee. So they go into the NCAA women's tournament totally undefeated. So those are, that catches you up to date on basketball. Yeah, uh, unbelievable run by Richie Riley and the Jags. I think there was a point not too long ago where many kind of questioned what was going on with this season. But this is exactly what Jag fans expect of their South Alabama team to be within to be in this situation to go dancing. Um, and I say this every year about every major, every sport at South that they don't have to be ranked in the top 20 every year. They don't, you know, in every sport, but what they have to do is they have to be within reach of the postseason. They have to be competing for conference championships. They don't have to win them every year. They just have to be there. And I think people will respond. And so um, it's, it's, it's great that, this tournament's being played in Pensacola. It's also unfortunate they're not playing at home tonight because I think people would show up for it. It's an unbelievable accomplishment for the run they've made. And um, 
We I don't think we would have said they would have been in this position just a couple of weeks ago. So it's a very exciting time for South Alabama basketball, and uh, I hope they can get this this uh, this one last one because to be able to get to the tournament would just take this program uh, to the next level. For well, sure. that and the fact that you got Alabama going to the NCAA tournament, it looks like Auburn's going to get in now after the win over Tennessee. So that would give us at least three reasons to feel good about basketball in the state of Alabama. So hopefully they can get it done. Like I said, it's been a long dry spell. They have not been there since the 08, well, actually 07-08 season when Ronnie Arrow came back to coach the Jags and uh, led by Dennis Bennett and uh, so Demetrius Bennett. And uh, they, they went and took on Butler, but things didn't go well up in Birmingham, you know, for that. But it's been a long, dry spell. But hopefully uh, they can get it done tonight. Richie Riley, I think he's – did he go with Nickel State one year? I, I can't remember now. I have to look it back. I'm trying to think if he went when he was coaching at Nickel State. I know Nickel State went one year. I don't know I don't know if he was the coach of that team, but um, uh, it, it'd be great. It'd be terrific. There's they the, you know the the season was really slow getting started but what have they won something like twelve out of their last fourteen now or something along those lines they have a really great great winning streak going uh, some of the other notes the XFL AJ McCarron threw four touchdown passes but it wasn't enough so the the heroics end they got beat by DC and on the last play or next to last play he was sacked they had that fourth and fifteen to get the ball back and then a brawl broke out they had about three players that were ejected from the game. Uh, and then Brandon Silvers had a really good game. He had three touchdown passes in the XFL win for Houston. So they're 3-0, and Mark. Uh, so we got a lot to get to. Uh, one of the things that we did not get to because it kind of happened uh, late in the morning after we were off the air Friday, uh, Nick Saban kind of let the cat out of the bag when it came to at least Alabama's permanent uh, conference foes if and when the SEC goes to uh, their new scheduling format, there are three, there are three uh, permanents. It then came out that LSU, according to sources, NOLA.com was reporting that their opponents were coming out. So the information is starting to seep out. I don't know what your reaction was, one, to Alabama's actual opponents, according to Nick Saban, and then two, what Saban's reaction was to those opponents which were it's not fair compared to what other teams would be getting what's your reaction mr shervanian very disappointed very disappointed in nick who i join with others in calling the greatest coach ever you know in all the times i've heard him speak he's always basically said let's bring on the best teams i want to play the best teams well first of all you play lsu and auburn and tennessee every year anyway so what's the big deal? What is the big deal? Those are teams you play every year. So you lost to Tennessee and LSU this year by close games. Is that your criteria? I was really disappointed. If he was quoted properly, if if those statements are true. Hey, if he's concerned about that, how do you think Hugh Freeze is going to feel? Alabama and Georgia. Yeah. The two best teams not only in the SEC, but arguably in the nation over the last couple of years. So if anybody would have a gripe, it would be Hugh Freeze or anybody coaching Auburn when you have to face Georgia and Alabama. And I don't know who the third opponent would be. So, But you got to face somebody. And I look at Alabama with those games. Who can dispute Tennessee? Who can dispute Auburn? 
I mean, obviously they got to be there. LSU's been a great rivalry, although Alabama's kind of dominated over the years. So I, I really don't get it. I don't. I don't see what the big deal is. I mean, yeah. I, I was very disappointed if if those quotes are accurate. Right. And what's what's the alternative? Like who? I guess the question would be, who would he rather play? Vanderbilt. I mean, I think everybody would rather play Vanderbilt or uh, Mississippi State. But now, like, now, I will say there is an argument to be made for Mississippi State because of the geographic location. And they're literally 90 minutes away. But well, the Alabama, the, these are the games that people want to see. Right. Alabama LSU is a game that's been targeted. CBS, night games. I mean, this is one of the keynote games in the SEC. This is a great matchup. And I've always felt that Nick, if he's trying to be truthful, when we talks to the media, this is what he wants. These are these are games where fans are going to stick around to the final gun. They're not going to be leaving at halftime. I don't understand it because it's not like they don't play them. They play these three teams every year. So what's different? Yeah. You know, you got one of the premier programs. You're not facing Georgia. Now, if they stuck Georgia in there, eh, still, I, I wouldn't be bothered by it, but I think it'd be great. But, you know, you don't got Georgia. I, I'm looking at Auburn. I mean, who are they going to have besides uh, Alabama and Georgia? I mean, who are you going to stick them with? Florida? I, I mean, you know, as far arc, I mean, I'm, I'm curious about that. If, in fact... The 3-6 model goes through. It's either, what, the 1-7 or the 3-6, or maybe there's something else on the board we don't know about. But I anticipate the 3-6 going into effect. Yeah, I, my guess is anybody that doesn't get Vanderbilt or Mississippi State or maybe even, like, Missouri, I think will complain that theirs is too difficult or other people have it easier. And those that get those teams will be excited about. Now, there are a bunch of criteria the league went to, including like the, a 10-year window of winning percentage. So my question is, does, it, does the conference at some point decide, you know what? Every 10 years, we'll reshuffle the deck. Or every 15 years or whatever, we re-reshuffle re, 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 re the deck. Do you think it's a possibility that yeah, they'll, they'll think, switch the permanent is. opponents? But you probably won't have Sankey as commissioner and you won't have Nick coaching in 10 years. So it's really hard to ascertain at this point. I, I just got to tell you when I saw that. And again, I don't know how accurate. Mike Rodak wrote the story. So we can ask him when he comes on at 830. He's been also covering the combine up in Indianapolis. But I just can't believe that, you know, Nick would make a statement like that as dominant as Alabama is and the fact that they've dominated Tennessee and LSU over the years except for this past year and, you know, they've been kind of 500 with Auburn, but these are the these are teams he plays every year. It's not like you're being, you know, thrown into a mix with teams you haven't faced and I would have thought that anybody with his smarts would know that that probably was going to be the case with the three because the LSU-Alabama rivalry has become one of the best in the SEC lately. Yeah. Uh, so, Ross Dellinger did a list. Of, he's the one that broke the story from of, with Nick Saban and SI. He also did what he considered a, a prediction. He kind of speculated who the others would be. Now, I haven't seen, because some people put in the app that Auburn has Alabama, Georgia, and Vanderbilt, but I don't think that's been confirmed. I think that's simply speculation. Now, with that said, Ross predicted what LSU's would be, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, and Alabama, and NOLA, citing sources, says that is indeed the case. 
So maybe Ross's speculation is a little bit more than speculation, but I've not seen a confirmed report. Now, I may be wrong, but I've not seen a confirmed report that that is definitely Auburn's main uh, opponents. Wow. But I would say that is a pretty balanced group. If you get Alabama, Georgia, you probably should get Vanderbilt. I agree. You should. I mean, in the long run, it doesn't matter. I mean, if they got all Miss, fine. I mean, you're going to look. That's that's the way it's been set up. You face Alabama and Georgia every year anyway. So what's the difference and and who that third opponent is? But as far as LSU, Texas A&M, eh, you know that's fine. I mean, I, I know that proximity. You know, they're, they're separated by states, but it's still been somewhat of a rival. Uh, Ole Miss. That's you go back in history. LSU, Ole Miss. There's been some. There's been some uh, great games played there and, and and a rivalry there. So and obviously with Alabama, I don't. I think that's a fair. I I. I I would think that LSU would be more favorable to that than when they got hooked up with Florida. Remember yeah. when Florida came aboard as their common opponent for a while? I, I would think they'd be feel a lot better about those three than Florida. All right, so Alabama fans, how do you feel about Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU? And if you don't like it, what should the alternate be? I mean, what's the alternative there? Because like we talked about, I don't see a, a negative. I mean, we talk about high profile and games that fans want to see right i can't imagine other than facing kiffin every year i don't really see i don't see a better lineup for alabama and I, i'm not even sure i would take Ole miss and kiffin over over the three that were selected so we'll continue to talk about it throughout the course of today there's some other issues we need to get to today as well um john morant made uh news for all the wrong reasons um and boy you want to talk about uh, officiating snafu. Did you guys see what happened at the end of the Sun Belt's women game between Troy and Old Dominion? Criminal. Absolutely criminal. We'll get to it all. Drew DeArmond will join us at 630 to talk bas college basketball, specifically SEC at 630. Garrett Trawick, the St. Luke's basketball coach at 7. Uh... Will Dar Millite Golf Report at 7.20. Steve Mask, the new Theodore coach, set to join us at 7.30. Uh, you mentioned Mike Rodak. He's going to join us at the end of our show at 8.30. And then uh, Justin Ferguson talks some Auburn at 8. So we got a lot going on. Let's get you a scoreboard, traffic, and weather. It's the opening kickoff. We're just getting started right here on the Sports Station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Hey, this is Showtime boxing analyst Steve Farhood, and you're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP. Thanks for hanging with us uh, on this Monday morning, the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee right here on the Sports Station WNSP. All right, this segment brought to you by Spring Hill College. A report from Payscale ranks Spring Hill College as the best university on the Gulf Coast for a bachelor's degree. In baseball, Spring Hill taking on Edward Waters took two out of three in this conference game. They uh, split a doubleheader on Saturday after winning on Friday. And the Spring Hill Sandy Beach volleyball team went 6-0 and this week, and they swept four opponents including Nebraska, playing at Gulf Shores. All right, uh, you guys can jump in at 
Uh, that is the number. Uh, John Moran. Yeah, uh, things aren't going so good. You know, I, I like the terminology of this. In essence, he's been suspended, but Memphis is not using the word suspension. He's being actually given time off at least two games and it could go longer than that because he displayed a gun now he's already had some incidences which we talked about last week but apparently in a, in a nightclub early saturday morning he had an instagram where he displayed a gun the nba's investigating memphis uh saying okay uh, just take it easy here boy take it easy jay let's let's put you on hold uh you're going to be out for uh at least two games and they they didn't have him yesterday and they got beat by the clippers they're out on the west coast so i don't know exactly when he's coming back mark but it's not a good look what you say nick <laughs> spin this for all you nba fans out there man can we take all of the hate that we unnecessarily give Trey Young and give that to John ja Morant? Like, <laughs> I didn't know if, there if was Trey, Trey Young, Young got hate. caught doing half of the things John ja Morant is doing, he'd be an Alcatraz by now. Yeah, yeah. And you also got to look at it from a uh, a Nike perspective. So Nike drops Kyrie because of you know all the stuff that he did earlier in the season. He was like their go-to guard athlete. They replaced Kyrie's shoe line with the Ja Morant shoe line. The Ja one just came out. And now they got Ja Morant out here doing all this. Yeah. So it's uh, unfortunate, but the memes are really funny, though. Is Alcatraz still operating? No. I thought it was closed. It's a tourist attraction. That's what I thought. So that's the one you want to send him to the tourist attraction. Yeah. Well, there's only one guy that's ever uh, escaped from no, Alcatraz. They, they, if it were Trey Young, they... they uh, Put things into place to get it reopened and operating again. Yeah. Uh, he said, I'm going to take some time away to get help and work on learning better methods of dealing with stress and my overall well-being. Can, can we stop? I feel like we, we, we deal with these athletes now with kid gloves. I, I, maybe, maybe we need to be a little bit more heavy-handed. I mean, because the way that... He, he phrased his apology. It almost, I mean, it's not like this is the first time he's done this, clearly. I just don't understand why such high-profile guys, you knew you were going to Instagram with a gun. You knew there were going to be repercussions. Why is there this need by athletes to look hard, to look tough? You know there's going to be blowback on this. Is this just, are, are athletes now just... In such a need for attention that bad attention is good attention. Like this somehow solidifies his rep as a as a tough guy. Well, you know, a couple I, of years ago, I I mean a couple of weeks ago, I thought the, the most of Jay Morant. Things have really shifted around. I I don't know what his mo is about as far as being he he doesn't he doesn't need any more publicity because he gets it done on the court. I I, I don't understand. And, and again, you don't know what led to this, why he would do it, why he would expose himself to such an incident like this. But maybe it's a wake-up call. I, I, I wouldn't generalize that all athletes are trying to come off hard. Okay. I mean, LeBron, he's like the corniest, goofiest dad there is, right? And he's also the biggest athlete we have. I don't think he tries to come off hard. Well, let, let me re I, I think those that wind up putting themselves in these situations, though, where you're obviously not doing something right, but you're going to air it on social media for right. the whole world. And I, I guess I asked well, the question of those athletes. Yeah, I see. Why are you doing this? What, well, what's and, the end game here? Well, and whenever uh, 
like the the story just came out about the mall and everything, and the the fight with the teenager came back up. Yeah, there was a play in the Lakers game where John Morant was on the bench and started like shooting Anthony Davis. Yeah, it's like what are you doing, man? But then I saw so with the video with the gun, that was when they were on a road trip, which meant that John Morant would have had a gun on the team plane. Right. And then I was seeing that that type of um. Punishment could be like really severe, like something like fifty games, maybe. You know, Mark. It, but it just, just pretty it's wild. just one incident after another. I mean, probably one of the more famous ones. Remember Plaxico Burris in I the did. nightclub in New York, and I think he got jail time for that. Uh, he was carrying a gun into a nightclub. I don't know what the laws are. Press charges against himself. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what the laws were. Moran, I'm assuming this happened in California. What, that's where they were, or maybe that wasn't the case. I don't know where this happened. I know the team's out in California now, but it's kind of a shame because I had such a high regard for Jay Morant, and I still do as a basketball player, but obviously with his character, that leaves something in doubt. But I found it very interesting that Memphis came out and said, we are not suspending him. We're not, yeah, you are suspending him, but you're just using different terminology. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's some. By the way, did y'all see Chris Rock over the weekend? Go after Will Smith. I mean, it's an, a 60-minute live concert, but the last 10 minutes is where all the fireworks were. Uh, we might, if we have so much going on, we may have to wait till tomorrow to get into that. But I found it entirely incredibly entertaining. When we come back, we talk some SEC basketball. Drew, Drew DeArmond will join us. Uh, continue with your con, uh, comments in the app at WNSP.com. We're getting rolling here, right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Johnson. Oh, tic tac toe to Bourbon. All right, 632 here, rolling along on a busy Monday edition. Thanks for hanging with us. It's the opening kickoff, Mark and Lee, right here on the sports station WNSP. Let's talk some SEC basketball now with Huntsville's own radio talk show host, Drew DeArmond. Got the SEC tournament starting up this Wednesday. Drew, good morning. How are you today? Good, guys. How are y'all? Okay, let's start with Auburn, okay? They beat Tennessee. This was a game many said they had to win to get into the NCAA. Do you think they're a lock? I do now. I think they're in good shape. I mean, beating Tennessee 79-70. I said on my show, I felt like when they when they, when it came down to the last two weeks that Auburn had to go 2-2 two and two, uh, to get into the tournament. They certainly have done that. Uh, you know, and it looks like Arkansas, even though they've struggled down the stretch and they're 19 and 12 and laid another egg at home in Bud Walton against Kentucky, their net ranking is so high. I think they're still going to be maybe 9, 10, 11 range seed wise. Uh, but it looks like really the only team with maybe some work to do is Mississippi State because they are right there on the edge after losing that hard fought battle in uh, Nashville on Saturday night. Drew, give me a winner for the SEC tournament. Give me your prediction. Who do you think wins this? Well, you know, it's an interesting bracket, guys. I actually think with how everything, uh, you know, worked out uh, for on the men's side, I think Alabama got a good draw. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, it could potentially Tennessee, if they can uh, get past uh, Missouri and, you know, Dennis Gates, he, he and – he and uh, has got to be on the short list for coach of the year in the SEC. I still think it's Nate Oates, but when you think of Dennis Gates and what he's done in Buzz Williams, that's probably got to be your top three candidates. 
Uh, but, you know, I think right now when you look at the bracket, I think Alabama's got a good shot. Uh, you know, I think Mississippi State could potentially give them some problems uh, because I think State's got – but I think State's got to beat Florida, so they're going to be in a, in a desperation mode. But I'd say this. I would say the top three for me are Alabama – uh, Texas A&M and probably Kentucky. But if you had to ask me, I still think Alabama's got a really good shot at winning this. I think it matches up well. I think the rest is going to do them good because I think they were fatigued at the end, both mentally and physically, and what they've been going through. But I like Alabama to win the SEC tournament much like they did two years ago. Can anything happen in this tournament that could keep Alabama off the top line? Um, I think if they were potentially, if they – if they lost to a Mississippi State or a Florida in the in the quarterfinals, it might knock them down to a two. I think if they win the first game on Friday at noon, I think no matter what happens, uh, it locks them into a one. I think they would probably either be the third or the fourth one uh, right there. And then I think if they win the tournament, if they win three games in three days, depending on what happens with Kansas, um, I know Houston won at the buzzer against uh, against a really good Memphis team, but I don't think the American is all that good. So, And Alabama beat Houston head-to-head, which should matter. I think Alabama could still have a chance to get the number one overall seed. But as far as to lock up a one lead, I wouldn't say they're a complete lock yet, but I think if they get one win in Nashville, uh, they'll be on that one line. Drew DeArmond, radio talk show host, Huntsville 97.7. Drew, I read a story Saturday down south, Connor O'Gara, who we've had on this uh, morning show a few times. Compelling story. His opinion is the NCAA selection committee ignores what happens in the SEC basketball tournament. He gives compelling reasons why things that have happened don't play out with seedings in the NCAA tournament. Can you buy into this? I mean, I think sometimes that can be the case. I mean, I, it was almost like in A&M's, when, when they, with A&M last year, they go all the way to the finals. Uh, they lose a hard-fought final. I thought they should have been in the tournament. It was almost like it didn't matter. Uh, you know, and you've seen some of, these, some of the bracketologists going into the tournament, uh, you know, with Texas A&M being a seven seed, uh, you know, Tennessee still being a three. And then you take into account Zakai Ziegler's gone. Uh, but I will say this, Tennessee has split without him. That's another reason why I think Alabama's got a good draw, because even if Tennessee beats Missouri, which they didn't in the regular season with Zakai, uh, that's no guarantee there. But I think Alabama would match up well with Tennessee on a neutral floor. But, you know, I can see that. I, I think in the past, I think John Calipari's complained about it, even when his team has won the tournament. Uh, that it didn't seem to really matter, that they didn't wait to see what the results were. So I could see what Connor's talking about, but uh, we'll see because I think this year A&M is solidly in, and we'll find out with Mississippi State because I just think when you look at all these projections, they're either first four out, last four in, things of that nature. So a lot of it's going to depend on what Mississippi State does in the tournament, but they certainly are going to have to be in must-win mode in that 8-9 game against Florida. Who, You know, I'll give credit uh, to Todd Golden. They they ended up with the eight seed without Colin Castleton the last few weeks. I think that's kind of an underrated job that he did, keeping them afloat when, you know, they could have easily fallen apart. Auburn defeated Arkansas earlier this year, but that's because one of the reasons Arkansas didn't have Nick Smith. If Arkansas beats right. Auburn, is there any way they can keep Auburn out? I don't think so. I think Auburn is in now. 
I think that win for them was really big, getting to, to beat Tennessee, and especially the, the style in which they did. Uh, you know, they scored more points in the second half the other night, Lee, than they did the entire game in Knoxville. Uh, I think if this Tennessee team is different, too, without Zakai Ziegler. I mean, injuries are part of it, but I think Bruce Pearl's team did a great job. And I'll be honest with you, uh, I, this Arkansas team reminds me a little bit of Alabama's team last year and even the Colin Sexton team uh, in 17-18 because the thing is, these guys are kind of dysfunctional. Uh, they have NBA talent. Certainly, uh, Alabama did with Colin Sexton. He was the professional of the year in the SEC. Uh, Nick Smith has done a great job since he came back. But as a team, they haven't done nearly as good a job. Defensively, they're not nearly as good as you'd like to see an Eric Musselman team be. I like Auburn in the matchup. I think Auburn's going to win it. But, and I think it's going to knock Arkansas down in a double-digit seed line. I don't think they'll be in the first four because they played a very challenging schedule. But I think Arkansas would be a lot, like an 11 or a 12 seed. They'll be a dangerous team. But, again, I just, I, I'm not sure – uh, you know, that they're going to go on a, a, a big run because I just don't see the chemistry with this group that we've seen with the last couple of the, when Arkansas made Elite Eight runs. Drew, thanks so much as always, man, getting up early with us. We really do appreciate it. We are, we're headed to tournament time. It's, it's an exciting time. Thanks. It really is. Best time of year. Thank you, guys. You know, Mark, arguably the Big 12 is the best conference going these days. And, you know, I, I was kind of – looking it over and they've had a lot of close games and a lot of good teams and they'll probably get the most teams in Oklahoma. Remember Oklahoma beating Alabama? I think they had the worst record in the big 12 this year. But the reason I mentioned this, you mentioned about Jay Morant, how he's been cast aside for a few games, Texas tech. They have finished at 16 and 15. They're getting ready for the tournament. They have suspended their head coach, Mark Adams for what the school says inappropriate and racially insensitive comments. The school reports that Adams was encouraging a player to be, let's say, more receptive to coaching and referenced, and again, this is a quote from the school, Bible verses about workers, teachers, parents, and slaves serving their master. The player was offended, talked about it. They suspend the coach, and now they're going to look at how he has dealt with this team throughout the season right in, in addition to this this one yeah. comment so we're suspending coaches for using bible verses that's right okay. that's that's what the, the the player was offended by the bible verse you know whatever happened to uh a time where i say something and offend lee so then i go to lee and say hey man I'm sorry if I offended you. How did I offend you? And then you explain it to me, and I say, oh, you know what? That makes sense. I apologize. I will be more conscious of what I say in the future. And then we shake hands, and we go on our way. Well, now first, now you got to suspend somebody. Yeah. that's Well, first of all, you've never apologized for anything you've said that I can recall. Well, I'm apologizing for not apologizing all right, about okay. that. For all the, you're lucky I'm not a very sensitive person, and yeah. I let it fly off my back. But seriously, I mean, we've gotten to a point. Can you can you imagine going into church and suspending a preacher for using a Bible verse? <laughs> like, and how long is he suspended for? Indefinitely he's, through the tournament. He's indefinitely suspended. Yeah. And this is one of their own. He went to school there. He's been an assistant there. I mean, look, I'm not making light of it. I'm not saying that you know that just because he went to school there make light of it, but. There has to be more to this than that. But so clearly he did something and a player made a big thing about it. 
And, and, you know, if you're offended, if, if it's something that hurts you in some form of, you should say something for sure. I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't. Go tell the coach. But right. And now if you go talk to the coach and the coach says, you know, get, get out of my office. I don't have time. Well, then you take it up the ladder. But I just feel like there's so many instances where someone says something and somehow offended without the intent of offending that's the other thing. I mean, if I'm going out and Nick ticks me off because he's sitting there talking about, you know, I don't know. I don't even have a good example. Trey Young. And I go after him. Talking about Trey yeah, Young. Yeah, whatever, about how Matt Ryan's the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Well, it's about time you admitted it. And I it. snap and say something nasty. That's one thing, right? Because I, the intent is to, to tick him off. But if I, if, you know, if he says something, you know, in his pearls of wisdom that somehow upsets me. I mean, he's not, in, I don't think, intentionally trying to, I don't know, man. I, I just think people need to broaden see, their horizons you know a little I, bit. I happen to agree with you, but I, I think we're going in the other direction. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. Now, there was one apology that I don't care how you apologize. And I feel bad for Keith Gill because it is completely and totally out of his control. But did you see the absolutely criminal, criminal act that the, uh, the officials in the Old Dominion Troy women's game? I, I don't, if I were on the wrong end of this, I don't care who's apologizing. I want blood. I want blood. Do you think they should go back and finish the game, though? No, I don't. I, I don't think can you can. Can you do that? I don't think you well, can. Well, they did suspend the officials. Uh, there's that word again. Yeah, they've been re reprimanded. So they here's not, what happened. They will not referee any more games. It was a Sun Belt women's game. There's 4.7 seconds left. Old Dominion is down a bucket. They have the ball inbounding sideline, half court, thereabouts. Right at that point, the players, the broadcast. The coaches all realize that Old Dominion has six players on the court. They let the play go. No one, the, everybody knows but the referees. Even the broadcast team is like, wait a minute, there's six players. So Old Dominion scores with 4.7 seconds left. Why? Because Old Dominion has more, one more player than Troy can actually guard. They're man-to-man, -man and there's an open guy. So Old Dominion then pulls a player off the court. And the refs didn't see it. And to make matters worse, they were asked about it in the post game, and they laughed about it. No, they're not laughing now. Well, the Sun Belt came out and and said all the right things, but you can't. There's nothing they can do. I can't. I can't think of. I, I'm not sure there's a worse way to lose than that. And I, I've seen. I've I've seen some you know, some tough losses here in the last. I could couple understand, weeks. and there's a rule in hockey. Like I, I know you don't watch a lot of ice hockey, but I do. And if you get caught with an extra man on the ice, there's a penalty. But the way those players come off and back, you know, they're going back and right. forth while the play's going on. Number one, I want to thank our fans too. I mean, our fans were incredible hearing that USA chant. I know it gave these guys some extra juice. I know seeing all that red out there gave them some extra juice. And, you know, hopefully somebody shelter you. you got this on film, hopefully. Hey, we need you. Mobile pour out tomorrow night. Get out here. 6.53, Richie Riley. He is calling you out, guys. Get over to Pensacola for the South Alabama Jags. They are one win away from the big dance. Wow.
just thinking about how crazy that. is that yeah it's been so long mark all right this is gonna i'm gonna give a basketball question leading to tickets for the jags baseball team they're hosting new orleans tomorrow night at eddie stanky field and here's your the question it's a basketball question but you get four tickets to attend the game tomorrow night last night south alabama defeated james madison it was their first win in a Sunbelt Conference Tournament semifinal since who? Who was the last team they ever defeated in a semifinal in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament? I'll give you a hint. Should I give you a hint? Make it easy? If you want. They're no longer in the conference. Okay. All right, so there's your hint. So if you know the answer, call Nick, 694-1055. You get four tickets. Later on, we'll have a Chick-fil-A giveaway. We're also going to tell you a little later on about our March Madness contest coming up. But the Jags tonight, ESPN 2, 6 o'clock, and then, of course, the baseball team playing tomorrow. Baseball team did not have a great weekend. They lost to Iowa and Pepperdine. They did, they did beat Southern uh, yesterday, so they went one and two over the weekend. Kind of a, and Alabama's been making a lot of news on the on the ball field. Softball team, I think they've racked up like four, five, six shutouts in a row, and they had a perfect game by Montana Fouts. And also, they they set a school record four consecutive games with a grand slam home run. How about that? All right, so if you want some tickets, uh, jump on the line. Get Nick at six nine four one zero five five is the number. Uh, can I ask you, uh, did you see the, the um, basketball game on Friday? We have Garrett Trewick coming on, the St. Luke's game. Did you see it? I watched no, it. No, I followed it a little bit on Twitter. Oh, but I my gosh, that was so heartbreaking, Mark. I'd, I heard about the uh, at the end of the, the game. Free throws. Yeah. Um, they they were so close, so close. And then, then, you know, it was a tie game. And then that free throws at the end. And I'll tell you what, you know, Bruce Pearl gets a lot of credit by the announcers for inbound plays, plays coming off the inbound. But I tell you, Garrett Trawick, he doesn't take a back seat to Bruce Pearl. He comes up with some very unique plays off bound, uh, off out-of-bound plays to uh, score points. They lost by one stinking point. Yeah, it's uh, – and the guy that hit the free throws he was, even <laughs> even openly admitted in the postgame that he struggled all year. He was one for seven, Mark, yeah. in the game. Yeah, and then the one that went in basically hit the back of the iron, went straight up and went straight down, right? Like basically – I mean, it's, it's – it's 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 a, it's a tough pill to swallow. It's a question I'm going to ask Garrett. They were beaten badly on the offensive rebounds, and that that led to that uh, sequence. But we'll talk about it when he comes on. I've said this about all championships on all levels. Not only do you have to be good, you have to be you have to be lucky. You really have to be. Um, the ball needs to bounce your way. You need to get a call that maybe you shouldn't have gotten. I mean, all of that comes into account. It, it happens in, in every sport on every level. Mark, I don't know. I'm going to change subject here. I know we've got a few more minutes, but a story that besides the Saban story, there was another one like, you know, when you shake your head, like, really? Anthony Richardson. Anthony Richardson coming through college, I know he had a lot of people raving about him and this and that, but he had a very spotty career up and down. Uh, one good game, maybe not such a good game. Granted, he's got athletic talent coming out of the, you know, what? I mean, he's just one of the most athletically gifted, throwing the football, running. But when I saw today that his stock has risen, that he could be the overall number one pick, I'm like, you got to be kidding. I, I'm, I'm, I, look, the, he, he doesn't, you can't even go back 
I don't know how many games he started. I think he threw like 17 touchdown passes, nine interceptions this year. Um, I don't even, I'd have to go back and look how many games he's actually started for Florida. He's had injuries along the way. Look, I'm not saying he shouldn't go in the first round. If somebody wants to take a gamble on it, fine. But there, you'd, you'd have to really convince me that this is an overall number one pick because if you're picking number one, your future's on the line as a GM, and you must think this guy can come in and really set the world on fire. And we know that doesn't happen very often with quarterbacks. So he is now the betting favorite to be uh, the top overall pick. He set two combine records for his position, a quarterback, uh, with a 40-and-a-half-inch vertical jump and a 10-foot-9 broad jump. Think about that. Broad jump, ten foot nine. He also, and just for fun, ran a four four three. And he's two hundred and forty four pounds, which would be the the best forty for somebody who weighs that much. Hmm. But I, I'm sorry, there's no way. I mean, if you go for the number one, you've got to get somebody you know who's going to come in and make a difference. You got to find an impact player. I'm going to start. I'm lining up people this week. Like, I got the uh, uh, Sarge coming on tomorrow. I mean, I, I don't get it. I mean, he's he's never jumped out at me like, wow, this guy is a can't-miss prospect. Uh, correction, he is the second odds-on uh, favorite behind if, Bryce Young. If Anthony Richardson can't jump out at you, then maybe no quarterback prospect ever will. I see what you did there. That was clever. Thanks. That was did we really get a cool. winner, Mr. Clever? We did not. Oof. A lot of wrong answers. All right, one more right. chance. Last time South Alabama beat a team in the uh, Sunbelt Conference uh, tournament, the semifinal round. They're no longer in the conference. They're not in this state. They're somewhere in Arkansas. Garrett Trawick, John Ricchetti, Steve Mask, Chick-fil-A, back to back to back to back. Was that the four? I lost count. And Justin Ferguson, five back to back to back to back to back, right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, 7.04. Thanks uh, for hanging with us on this Monday. Hope you and yours had a happy and safe weekend. Uh, It's been a busy opening kickoff right here on the sports station WNSP. And you'd expect that on March Madness with basketball. We had South Alabama winning a semifinal game last night. And by the way, John, congratulations. You got the answer. You get four tickets for the uh, JAG baseball game tomorrow. You got it right. Back in 09, the Jags beat Arkansas Little Rock. Last night, they beat James Madison 75-66. They'll take on Louisiana tonight for the right to go to the NCAA tournament, something that has eluded the Jags since the 07-08 season. Also tonight, Horizon League, Southern League, they'll send champs going. Five teams have qualified. Drake going along with Kennesaw State. Uh, Also, North Carolina-Asheville. 
Southeast Missouri State and Farley Dickinson of New Jersey. They are the five schools right now that have qualified for the NCAA tournament. The SEC tournament set for this Wednesday through next Sunday. You've got the Alabama as the top overall number one seed. They'll get two buys, begin play at noon on Friday. Auburn is the seventh seed. After they beat Tennessee by nine, they'll open up Thursday at six against Arkansas. It's being played in Nashville in the women's tournament. South Carolina remains undefeated, and they defeated Tennessee, so they'll go into the uh, women's national tournament undefeated. Let's talk more March Madness with Garrett Trawick, the head coach, athletic director at St. Luke's. Garrett, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Doing well. How are y'all? Good. I, I know I talked to you on Friday after your unbelievable, as a great performance. Unfortunately, you came up one point short at the end. Now that you've had a couple of days to reflect, is there anything that you think maybe could have changed the outcome around, or anything that uh, you, you know that you you felt that if you had made a play here or there, you would have won this game? Uh, in retrospect, there's always a million different things that that. You can you can put into perspective, or, or, or you want to do differently. There's there's no doubt about that. And trust me, the drive from Birmingham home gives you plenty of time to do that. And yeah. as a coach who cares, you know, there's there's a million different different ways that you would want to do, done things differently. But it's like I've told my guys since the very minute I've got into coaching. When it comes down to a one point loss, uh, to a five point loss, whether it's a one or two possession game. You know, the coach always takes that one. That one's on the coach. Uh, so it starts with me and, and, and trying to do do the right things uh, to have them better prepared, I think is what it really boils down to. And a one-point loss uh, and, and things such as that nature is the things you harp on all the time, the little things that make big differences. Um, so, yeah, there's about a million different things. I, I couldn't tell you I could pinpoint one as much as you reevaluate your, your entire your entire program when you got that much time thinking on the way back home. And you're the bus driver, too. That I, I, don't, I couldn't handle driving a bus after a loss like that. Uh, one of the things I feel like maybe I deserved it, maybe that was the moment to where I needed to, to, to be in my own head. You know, uh, I think the next step in a tough loss like that with a – with what was on the line, now, now the next step is how do you continue to lead young men? Um, you, you have some returners coming back from a heartbreak loss uh, in that nature, but you never underestimate the fact that the hard work and the dedication and the things that took to get to that point um, when you're that close, that you don't shy away from the things that got us there. Now it's about building upon the things that we, can, that we do and be better at it. So I think that's the biggest thing that I took away from it is um, – you know, it's a part of life. Things are not going to go your way, so you got to you got to get up, you got to dust off, and you got to re-engage, refocus, and, and move forward. And so the next step is how do you lead young men to to do the same thing uh, in high school athletics? That's always the challenge, and it's it's a fun challenge to accept if you love investing in these young men and young women just through the game of basketball. Coach, uh, congratulations on the on the season, man! A uh, hell of a run. Uh, you know, it's a it's a conversation I've had quite a bit in the last week too. Uh, mm-hmm. In my houses, would you? It seems like it would be better almost to get blown out by twenty or thirty uh, than to lose in the final seconds by a couple of possessions. But at the same time, on the flip side of that argument is you. You know you belong. You knew you were as good as that team, but that just sometimes doesn't make it any easier to swallow. You know what I mean? It's it's one of those oh, yeah. back and forth Absolutely. you have with yourself. 
I mean, when you're that you're that close back and forth in a very competitive game, you know, you you hate to have to be a loser. Uh, it just so happened to be us. But like you said, knowing that that you were meant to be on that stage and you were that close. Uh, you know, that was the first thing you try to take away from it is when you come away empty-handed on that stage, what are you learning from it? You're either you're either growing or learning. Uh, you know, there is no in-between. You're either putting in or you're taking out. You're not staying neutral. Um, that's what I tell my guys all the time, and you hear it in sports. Um, but you can go back through all the heartaches, and, and hopefully we can, we can find something through these pressured moments from these tough times that will do something, you know, beneficial and great for the young men that I'm blessed to coach. And that that's really the next phase. But, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. It's, it's a heartache. It's something that will obviously as the coach uh, will eat at you for the rest of forever. I think my wife and I had that conversation. She said, how long are you going to let this bother you? I said, yeah. probably forever. Yep. Uh, you know, there's no doubt about that. Uh, but, you know, once again, it's it's – you can't sit around and feel sorry for yourself because nobody's gonna gonna give you a state title. Nobody's gonna give you a playoff appearance. Nobody's gonna give you a championship. Those things are earned, and hopefully we have the blueprint blueprint to, to rinse and repeat. Um, or at least these guys have been battle tested. It's like I told them, uh, graduating two seniors with a lot of guys returning. You've been battle tested. Now everybody wants to be in the same position you were. No different than we we played Mars Hill in the first round of the Final Four, who were there the last year. Um, you know, are you going to be able to, to to when you don't feel like getting in the gym in October or November or in the middle of Christmas break when everyone else is relaxing? You know, take this feeling, take this heartache, and that should be your motivation in the off season or in those moments when everybody else just chose not to be a part of something bigger than themselves. You got to you got to tap into that, and I think. And, and hope and pray my team's able to do that. I know that's what the good players are able to do and the, the decent coaches are able to do. And so maybe a, maybe a small redneck coach in the big season mobile can, can replicate some of that going into the next season as well. Garrett, uh, the, the, the final score for those who missed the game on Friday, uh, I was watching that game on the public uh, TV station. Aliceville defeated St. Luke's 44-43. One of the glaring stats pointed out by the broadcasters was the number of offensive rebounds for Aliceville. Was that a concern at all during the season or that, that other teams were doing a, a better job on the offensive glass? Uh, there were early on, like I said, uh, throughout our season, uh, with the way we started, obviously with some, some injuries, uh, young guys stepping into the roles and, and you would see that discrepancy. We knew what Aliceville had coming through. We had saw a uh, song, you know, in person up there in Birmingham in their first final four matchup. Uh, we knew they had size. We knew their record. Uh, we knew that was a big part of their game was to, to live off of rebounding. Um, and so, yeah, they, they had the size, but um, once again, that's that's on me as the coach. You know, that's one of those things. I'm sure you guys know being in, in sports talk radio, uh, I'll never have kids ever whine or complain or, or second guess why we do the rebounding drill from, from here on out. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Coach, uh, we really do appreciate you spending some time with us. Um, again, congratulations on an unbelievable year, um, and we really do appreciate you coming on and, and, and spending some time with us. Yes, sir. Thank you all once again for having me on, and as always, thank you all for all that you all do for high school athletics. We sure do appreciate that. You know, to update, uh, Hoover's boys and girls won 7A titles, and the two teams McGill faced both won titles, Buckhorn and Hazel Green. Yeah, that. 
Let's take a break. How about that? It's 7:14. Uh, we got to get your scoreboard traffic and weather. Uh, John Ricchetti will be along for the Millite Golf Report. Uh, Steve Mask, the new Theodore coach, set to join us at 7:30. Uh, we got a little Chick Fil A for you as well. So we got a chock full hour. Continue with your comments in the app at WNSP.com. It's the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee in Triple G right here on the sports station. Stay with us. Hello, this is artist Daniel A. Moore. You are listening to WNSP Sports Radio. Alright, 7.20 here on a Monday. Welcome back in. The opening kickoff, Mark and Lee, right here on the sports station WNSP. Alright, let's talk to John Ricchetti in the Miller Like Off Report. We had a uh, the Arnold Palmer Invitational, and we had a first-time winner on the PGA Tour. Johnny, who was it? Well, guys, uh, good morning. Yeah, first-time winner, Kurt Katayama, uh, picks up his first PGA Tour victory, victory. The journeyman at the age of 30 is playing all over the world. Uh, he played his collegiate golf at UNLV, and uh, he just completely went on. He's got actually he's got two DP World Tour wins on the European Tour, so he's just obviously the guy can play. A uh, really good player, and uh, you know battled down some big names down the stretchers. Actually, uh, for the for this weekend, uh, there was some good drama down the stretch on the PGA Tour, and guys like McElroy and Scotty Scheffler in the mix, and uh, also, Jordan Spieth, who I think just probably could have won this tournament, but uh, his putter let him down down the stretch also. So we had some good drama, but uh, good to see a first-time winner on the PGA Tour as, as he picks up a cool $3.6 million as the API is an elevated event on the PGA Tour. So uh, congratulations to Kurt Kayama. And also, Robbie Shelton makes another cut on the PGA Tour, continues his fine play and by the way speaking of that i got confirmation that he is going to be in the field this week at the players championship which will have 43 of the top 50 players in the world playing at tpc sawgrass and we know defending champion cameron smith uh will not be there uh, obviously due to his ties to live so the pga tour moves to point of eager for the uh, Players' Championship this weekend. Also, some other notes. Uh, Jack Nicholas is talk, quoted talking to Nick Baldo this weekend on a podcast saying that Tiger Woods has told him that he will play the Champions Tour, which on the Champions Tour, they're allowed legally to use a golf cart. So we're just a few years away. We could see Tiger Woods on a, more on a regular basis on the Champions Tour. I just didn't think I'd see Tiger Woods playing out there, but Apparently, he told Jack Nicholas that he will play the Champions Tour down the road. Also, uh, like congratulations to uh, on the Light Scratch Tour this weekend. Connor Elder wins in the regular division. George Walker wins in the senior division, the first event at Magnolia Grove Golf Club. We'll be live today at uh, Felix's Fish Camp tonight at 6 o'clock uh, with a complete recap of the world of golf. Johnny, we appreciate it. We'll check in with you Friday. Thank you so much. 
And uh, by the way, speaking of Friday, Mark and I and the Air Sports One will be out at Faith Academy. Mark, why don't we uh, right now talk about our upcoming March Madness contest? We haven't done it yet. Uh, Should we? Yeah, I think so. It's a good time. Nick, you want to weigh in on uh, our March Madness uh, get-together and qualifying and when we're going to start all this? Sure. (laughs) Why not? So um, uh, next Wednesday will be March the 15th. That'll be the night of our March Madness matchup challenge where you have to go to Moe's Barbecue and you'll get your name drawn and paired with a team. However good that team does throughout the tournament is how good you do. If your team ends up winning that you were paired with, you end up winning the grand prize. We're going to be qualifying people on air in the morning and the afternoon show. There's going to be some spots that are left open, so if you aren't able to get in during the show, you can just show up to Moe's Barbecue that night, and you'll still have a chance to get in and uh, compete and win the prize. Mark, to that, and Nick, I don't know if you were even here when this happened. A couple of years ago, we were doing the same contest at Moe's. We're giving away a TV set thanks to Bailey's uh, TV and Mattress. And what Nick pointed out was that even if you don't qualify, you can still come to Moe's and get a team at that time and that night during the uh, the show. So a couple of years ago, a good friend of mine, uh, he and his wife checked in to Moe's. They didn't even know about this that was going on, but then they got there and they found out about this contest. So one of the individuals uh, just was given a school, Baylor, and then said, do they are they any good? Do they have a chance? Well, Baylor won the championship, and she won a TV set just for coming into Bose, not even aware of the contest. So that that's how that's how it gets done. You get a team, and if they win, and that was one of the real, uh, what are the real interesting moments in a contest I've ever heard? You know that, hey, is Baylor any good? You guys, uh, so you guys jump in on the March Madness details coming. Uh, <clears throat> maybe you guys can help confirm this for me. There were some comments in the app about South. We've talked a lot about South Alabama and the unbelievable tear they're on right now. And, and with their one victory from going to the big dance. I had heard yesterday that if you get a ticket or multiple tickets, you get you get hit with a bunch of fees. Someone in the app, can you all confirm? Is it? It's not $89 a ticket, is it, after fees? There's no way, right? That that has to be that that can't be true. Are you talking about ticket to the game? Yes, to the uh, Sun Belt uh, tournament. You mean? Uh, yeah. Is that a ticket for the entire tournament or a whole day? Like you know, usually the, now I don't know what it is now, Mark. And times have changed. Okay, you know? so someone in the app said he looked to buy two tickets. Face value was twenty dollars and fifty cents, but the total due was more than double the face value. I guess because of fees. What, yeah. what ticketing service are we using, people? We got to we got to be better. Is it Ticketmaster? Because if so, that that pretty much sums it up. Ticketmaster will hit you. Yeah, I remember I, I went to the Sun Belt tournament and I got like what Lee was saying, like the, like the three day pass, and that was only like thirty dollars, I think. Yeah, and, and students get a reduced rate, don't they? Usually. Yeah. Yeah, but usually, I mean, look in the past. It's been so long since I've been, so I know times have changed and. It's not like it used to be where you actually went up to the window and, and bought a ticket. So it used to be like you could buy a ticket for the whole tournament or you could buy per session, which would get you two games. I don't know what it is today, but that doesn't sound outrageous. 
as far as 89, that would be for how many games? It'd be for at least two games, right? No? Well, not tonight. If you want, no, to get not tonight. I'm, I'm talking about purchase. Not tonight. I saw my, I'm going through a right purchase now. right now. There have been times, Mark. I'll tell you this too. There were times when I was following the Jags that the host team was out. They would virtually give away right. tickets to Listen, go. Listen, people, you can get a ticket for ten dollars and fifty cents. Where? For the Sun Belt Championship game. On what site? Ticketmaster. 2023 Sunbelt Men's Basketball Championship Final at 6 p.m. They got tickets, tons of tickets for 1050. You can get all the way up to 73. Those are single tickets? Like you just look for because I did a search for two tickets together. No, that's what that's what I have. Two tickets together. Total at 1050 for two? 1050 a piece. A piece. That's what I thought. So yeah, you're looking at about twenty two. I'm saying I'm seeing sixty nine each. What what website are you on? Uh, Nick's, Nick's got his own. He's doing seriously. I need to get it with. I need to get yeah. over there. He's selling tickets. Yeah, Nick's look, got tickets. If you want to be up in section one twenty one or one twenty three, you're looking at spending about eleven bucks a ticket. And that's. I'm gonna say that I've been to the Pensacola Civic Center, or whatever they call it. And it's it's really a nice arena. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if there's a bad seat in the house, so that's not a bad deal. And you know what? Even if you go there and you get up there. By what halftime? You could probably move down if it's not crowded. All right, so so the tickets are ten fifty a piece. After fees, I'm spending forty nine thirty a piece. No, in oh. total. Okay. So originally it was twenty one dollars for the tickets. Now they're throwing on twenty eight dollars in fees. But I mean, if you're looking at this, it's it's like it's twenty five bucks a piece. It's not too bad, right? Not compared to an ACC or an SEC tournament. That's right. It's your Jags. It's just right down the road in Pensacola. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Steve Mask is next right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Welcome back in. It's the opening kickoff. A reminder, uh, you need to be following us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at 105.5 WNSP. You can also get us on Facebook or on Instagram. Uh, There's uh, tons of great content always being uh, put up on our social media accounts, so make sure you follow. You can even follow Lee Shervanian on Twitter at Shervanian Lee. And, of course, I'm also there at Mark underscore Heim. That's H-E-I-M. All right, it's the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee, uh, we'll take your phone calls uh, a little bit later. In fact, we'll have some Chick-fil-A for you in the next segment. But now we're joined by a special guest. Yes, a very special guest. He's back. Uh, Steve Mask has been announced as the uh, football coach. It hasn't been formally approved, but that's just a matter of business that will take place a little later on. But Steve Mask is coming back to Mobile to coach the Theodore Bobcats, and I believe he's coming back as the athletic director. Steve, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Lee. Good morning, Mark. How are y'all doing? Wonderful. Well, we're so glad to uh, see that you will be back coaching football. Uh, actually, uh, the good news, too, we're going to be out at Theodore in a couple of weeks to do our championship drive, so I know you'll be a part of that. Talk about the the, the return to Mobile and why it wound up being Theodore. Well, we're just very fortunate that the opportunity afforded itself, and, uh, you know, we're just checking into it, and then... Uh, uh, you know, apply for the job like everybody else did. And then Mr. Hardegrave, Tim Hardegrave is our 
our principal was uh, kind enough to give us an interview, and then it just went from there, and thank God it worked out. Boy, it really is, and it just seemed to me that's a I don't you know I, I this word good fit is overused and everything, but your style of coaching seems to fit the uh, the mo for Theodore. You know, running defense, things like that. It, it just seems that it falls into your uh, your mo. Well, I think so. You know, Eric and I have been on been for a long time. Coach Carter that was here, they did a, a tremendous job here. But we have both very similar philosophies when it comes to the coaching football, like you said, run the ball and, and play great defense. So uh, they've done that here for the last several years. And so hopefully we can uh, come in here and, and do some things to, to help uh, maybe get a little bit better. Uh, but uh, I think I keep telling everybody this thing getting broken. We just got to, you know, tweak a little bit, try to get to the, to the big show. You know what? The team you took over in Birmingham area, I know they weren't very good and, and things didn't get too much better last year. You won your last game. I remember we talked to you about that. But you take over a Theodore team that was what, 13 and 1, 12 and 1? Right, right. Well, uh, you know, the things at Pell City, it was just a tough situation to go into, but we were able to, to do some things that I think were beneficial. We changed the attitude a little bit. But, you know, we were in a tough region also, just like this one is here, because when you're in a region with Clay Chalk, Shades Valley, Oxford, Princeton Valley, Center Point, there's some really good teams in that region. And quite frankly, we just didn't have the talent to play with them. Steve Mask, our guest here on WNSP. Coach, great to have you back. Uh, would you? Did you learn... What did you learn in your time away from Mobile, coaching in a different area of the state that you may or may not implement when you come back? Well, I don't think you change your personality wherever you are. I, you know, I coached in North Alabama, most of the shows there for for what twenty five years before I left, went to Georgia, and for two years it came to Mobile. I think that what you learn is that there's just different ways to do things, and and you learn a little bit. You learn a little bit about yourself. You you start doing some self evaluation on how you've been doing things and, and how you can implement things and and that kind of thing. I don't know if there's anything concrete you can say that whammo because I know there you go. I've learned that. So you know it just. Uh, now, when you got blonde hair like I do, it uh, you, you, you had many things you hadn't seen over the last 43 years of coaching. You uh, you've made no bones about it. You wanted to get back down here. What is it about the Gulf Coast that, uh, like you said, you've coached all over the state and in different states? What is it about this area that that you wanted to get back here? Well, number one, I love living in Mobile, and I love the fact uh, that in, in my profession is second to none in Mobile and Baldwin County. The football in this region. It's just unbelievably good in, in all classes. You know, one through five, one through seven class. Uh, uh, region one football is outstanding. And you know, the biggest thing is I just learned how I, I appreciate on Friday nights how important it is to everybody. And and then bottom line is, Mark, I want to live in Mobile and, and retire here for the rest of what time I've got left and enjoy living in Mobile. You missed us that much. Why don't you write? Just come out and say it. I did miss everybody. I did a lot of things I didn't miss not being here. Um, I, I, I even miss Mark a little bit. Don't let him You're know. I said no, that. Let's okay. not go. Let's not get too far fetched on this. What, <laughs> right. uh, Don't jump off the cliff too quickly. Yeah. What, when do you start? Uh, I'm I'm here. So you're actually yeah, out at Theodore right and, now. Yeah, I'm, on, I'm at Theodore now, and uh, actually met with the staff on Wednesday and met with the players on on Thursday. Did some administrative stuff on Friday, and and we're here today. And you are, as we're, I said, you're the athletic director, also, right? 
I am the athletic director, so I've got to acclimate myself real quickly uh, with everybody, with uh, spring sports going uh, wide open right now. And about halfway through the season, it's just going to be a, a more of a fact-finding, get to know everybody type deal right now. But we're excited about being athletic director also. Of course, we'll be talking to you when we come out there on a, on a Friday in a couple of weeks, get more detail. But are you going to go through spring practices, or are you just going to wait till July and extend it? No, we'll go through spring. We'll go through spring like we've always done. We'll wait to baseball and track and everything's over with, and then we'll carve out two weeks in the first of May to get that done. I think it's very important to me to to go through a uh, practice with these kids for summer to for them to get to know us a little bit better and, and for me to get those coaches a little bit better. And, uh, but the biggest thing is, is, like I've said numerous times, the adults in the room aren't my focal point. It's the kids because, you know, they, they're seeing a lot of changes. We have to reassure the kids that we know what we're doing and we're going to take care of them and we're going to be successful. Do you have many uh, returnees from last year's team that uh, did so well? Well, I think there are several. I haven't. I've really truly guys. I haven't even looked at the roster. Uh, that, that's this morning's deal. I've got a meeting at ten o'clock. I've got a team with administration. But today and, and the rest of this week, we'll be getting to know the, the roster a little bit better. I've watched them work out in the weight room three days, and it just blows me away how hard they work in the weight room and how competitive they are. But you know, I don't want to name any names. To be honest with you, I don't know many names. To name so. Uh, but I do know there's, there's some talent in the room, no doubt about what, that. What goes into meeting with the team the first time? Do they ask you questions, or is it just uh, statements you make? Well, it's like you only have you only have but one opportunity to make a first impression, and so we try to take that that meeting to to give them an impression of of who we are and what we believe in, and and how important it is to them. Because you know they've had a guy here that's been here for 15 years, five years as assistant, 10 years as a head coach, and all of a sudden this stranger walks in the room and they they don't know what it is about me. Maybe they've heard of you know we won this and we won that, but they don't know me. And so it's just a a, a 20 minute hey, how you doing? We're going to be okay. Let's go, you know, do the things that we've been doing, and we're going to be very successful. It's just what you would do normally in a, in a first setting in a new job, not just in football. Steve Mask, our guest here on WNSP. You know you know me, man. I'm a sucker for storylines, and uh, we got the information uh, last week that uh, being in that Region 1, I don't know if you saw your schedule yet. Uh, do you know where you are at the very end of the uh, the regular season? Well, I think it's been pointed out to me a time or two. <laughs> yes, I think I know where we, uh, know exactly where we'll be, and uh, you know we're looking forward to that. Yeah, well, I mean, we have plenty of time to get into that. We'll get into that later. I just wanted to—I wanted to be the you know the ten thousandth person to tell you who you're playing at the end of the season there. Well, Mark, I sure appreciate you pointing that out to me. Now I know that for sure it's going to happen. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll play where they tell us to play, and. You know, what is the, the old saying? You just tell us where to be and we'll play. So that's what we'll do here, too. Are you going to schedule a, a spring game or a jamboree or anything like that? You know, Lee, I, probably not. I'm not going to say for sure, but I would say today probably not. Uh, again, it's just such a learning curve that, uh, you know, you really don't prepare for a spring game when you've been. You may play one, but you really don't prepare for it when you've been in the place for a couple of years. But I quit doing them several years back. I just don't think the the value is there. I know right now today that might change my mind, but I think there's more value in me getting to know our players and we're about trying to get them ready to play a game. And because I don't be the uh, 
put our foot out there and get stepped on the first week because we had that time to prepare for it. So I would say today, probably not. So, Steve, when you go into a new place like you did at Pell City uh, and you're now going into Theodore, can you put your entire playbook or everything you want to put in, can you do that in year one, or is that something you build to gradually over years? I think I, I think eventually, but in year one, you get it all in. But you have to do it. You know, you, you, everybody has a base belief in what they're going to do offensively and what they're going to do defensively. And I think the the I call it the the add-ons or the all the things come after you get the base established. But I would be really upset that our staff, especially more so than me, if we don't have everything we need to have in. Uh, by week one to be, you know, be competitive. But as we go on, we we add a few more things and add a few more things. But you know, I yeah, we'll have it all in at some point during the season. I don't know what everything again, but you know, you got to have a base offense, a base defense, got short yardage offense, short yardage defense. All the things that all of us do, we'll have all that stuff in. Are you going to be able to bring in any coaches, or is that staff pretty well filled up there? Well, I tell you, I'm really excited about the staff this year, but we have got two spots we, we've got to fill, and uh, uh, guys have moved on to other jobs before I got here. But I feel great about the staff staying, and we've we've met together, and and we're in the process of meeting individually right now with each one of them. And you know, hey, look, I listen. Uh, like I said, they've been doing things right here, so. You know, I, I ask questions, how did y'all do this, how did you do that? And then you take what they did and take what we like to do and try to marry those things together. Coach, great to have you back in town, man. We're, we're excited to uh, have you on from time to time. And uh, I owe you a Dr. Pepper, it looks like. Well, I think so. And uh, don't get cheap on me. Bring at least six of them when you bring them, okay? <laughs> sir, yes, sir, I'm on it. I will just charge it to the uh, WNSP account. There you go. Just tell Kenny, just go ahead, just give me a case of them to be done with it, okay? Hey, congratulations, man. We uh, Thank you for coming on. We look forward to having you on again soon. Sounds good, Mark Lee. Y'all have a great day. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Uh, another high school note. I don't know if you saw Paul Rhodes is leaving Gulf Shores. He had been the defensive coordinator, former head coach at Iowa State, former Auburn assistant. He is going into the ACC and is going to take a job with Boston College as an assistant coach. So, uh, Mark Hudspeth's got the uh, sign-up for a, a new coach. We'll see if he winds up getting another uh, college coach to come down there and coach. All right, it's 744. When we come back, uh, we'll have some Chick-fil-A, a chance for you to win some Chick-fil-A. Uh, we'll talk some Auburn at 8 o'clock and Mike Rodak on Alabama, the NFL Combine, and, you know, Nick Saban's permanent opponents. Apparently, it's just not fair. What would be the alternative? I mean, if you can't have Vanderbilt. And now, if the most success... I mean, can you be the most successful team in the league over the past, I don't know, decade or whatever and complain that something isn't fair? I'm not so sure. I'm not sure how that, that gets... I'm not sure that's very well received. But we'll talk about it. You guys can give us a call when we come back. 694-1055. It's the opening kickoff. We're wrapping up hour number two next. This is Will Herring, a member of the Auburn family. When I'm in Mobile, I listen to WNST 105.5. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. 
All right, 748. Lee, what you got for the fine folks of the Mobile Baldwin County areas? I want you to call Nick at 694-1055 and tell him who was which school was the last SEC school to make it to the final four. Of basketball. Of basketball. Men's basketball. All right, easy enough. You just need a school name. And if, you know, Nick is quick enough, you could probably get away with a mascot. Just tell him. If you can uh, get that to him and be the first one to do so. So what was your reaction when you saw Nick Saban's story? If, in fact, everything is accurate, he was if he was quoted accurately as saying that he was, I don't know what word to use, uh, upset, distressed, uh, that he didn't like the 3-6 if he had to play Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU every year. That would be the three permanent opponents if, in fact, all that's accurate. Did it bother you when he said that he was quoted as saying that's not what he wanted? I felt it was, um, I thought it was a little bit out of character for him because I think the narrative has been he's always wanted this type of schedule, right, with the number of conference games. Um, I, I guess the question I have is what would be the alternative uh, with those three teams. Like, what is it that he does? I, I just don't understand how the most successful team in the last decade plus is complaining that a schedule isn't fair. I, I, and, I have- and to your point, he's playing three teams that he plays on a yearly basis. Anyway, we, we talk about, man, you got to have, you got to play Auburn, you got to play Tennessee. Those are like rivalry games. And then... And then LSU makes as much sense as anybody from a fan perspective. Absolutely, I, I don't get it. I and I and I hate to come on and say, well, uh, he's totally this and that. When I'm not sure exactly that's the quote. I don't know if he's going to come back and say I didn't mean that or not. I can't believe he would do that. Is and look across state, Hugh Freeze. If Nick's complaining about that, how would you like to be saddled with Alabama and George every year? Yeah. Okay, I mean, the two premier programs, arguably, in the nation, and you're playing them every year, which they do anyway. Right. I I don't get it. And it it just really bothered me that that he, because I'm with you, I've always thought the narrative was, I want to play good teams. I want the crowd to stay there till the final minute. Right. And the other, but the caveat to that is, we want to play the best teams. We want the crowds to stay there, but we want everybody to play the, the good teams. No. You're Alabama, man. You're not complaining about who you're playing. You're anywhere, anytime, any place mentality. You're not, well, the other teams don't have to play these tough games. Auburn should get Vanderbilt if you're playing Georgia and Alabama every year. I, you just, I, I, I mean, what's, what, what would be more fair, Alabama? First of all, Alabama fans, are you are you distressed if these are indeed the teams? And there's no reason to think these aren't. By the way, uh, if is is there any is there are you are you distressed by this? And if you are, who's the better? What's the better option? What's the more interesting option? I mean, other than playing Kiffin, I mean, would would you rather Ole Miss than LSU? Would you rather play Ole Miss over Tennessee or Auburn? I mean, the answer is no. Maybe you'd want to play him over LSU, but I, I just because of that whole Kiffin kind of deal there. 
I mean, I think there's an argument for Mississippi State because of the geographic location, but that's not nearly as sexy as, as this schedule. Now, I, 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 I was surprised that he would complain um, about, uh, about that. Uh, Derek's the winner, by the way. Congratulations, South Carolina. You tell me. It was your trivia question. It was. Okay. If that's the answer he gave, he's right. All right. Congratulations, Derek. A little Chick-fil-A compliments of WNSP. Nick, what do you think about what, what uh, the three opponents? You think Nick should be uh, Nick, the other Nick, the Nick. The lesser You're Nick. just a Nick, but he's the Nick. Nick, too. Yeah. Uh, should he be, should he be mentioning about, comp- I don't know if complaining is the right word, but I guess that's probably as accurate a word as I can come up with. Complaining about the three permanent opponents being Auburn, Tennessee, and LSU. Um, I mean, no. <laughs> like, you're better than all those teams, so it's kind of pathetic looking if you're complaining about having to play teams that are worse than you every year. Yeah. Just because maybe they're going to put up a decent fight. Yeah. Maybe it's because you lost to all those teams that were named last year other than Auburn, but it was close. Um, I don't know, man. Come on, Nick Saban. You're, he, I think he's just a, you know, I think when people get older and the world starts catching up to them and they start <laughs> to lose their step ahead of everybody, they get grumpy and they get bitter at the world. And now that all these other teams are kind of right there in uh, Alabama's competitive wheelhouse i think nick saban just needs to eat an oatmeal cream pie shut up and uh focus up but that's just my two cents from one nick to another i do love me an oatmeal cream pie all right you guys can jump in there um in the in the uh in the text nick is getting old complaining about his neighbor's mailbox color (laughs) someone said bama has to play state I don't know if they have to, but like I said, it, I, I get it. I, I get that. But I, I still would argue that that's not nearly as exciting as the three that these the, the, the three that are proposed. Um, someone in the app, hell, I don't want Vandy every year. Would rather it be LSU or one of the Mississippi schools? Yeah, I, I get it. Yeah, let's think of it from like a revenue standpoint, right? Think of all the money you're going to make. Having these games every year. Nick Saban, man. Come on, dude. I expect better. By the way, and I'm going to uh, admit, I made a mistake on that. I gave you the wrong answer on that Chick-fil-A. Yeah, I know. I, I took it's the Auburn. right one, though. Auburn was the uh, the team, that the last one. I, I misread a story. I kind of, and it, it kind of, Got me going, thinking, and doing some research on it. You know, South Carolina did go to the Final Four, but the last team to go was Auburn in 2019. That's right. So, did somebody say Auburn? Yeah, that was the guy who uh, got it right. That's that's the right. They, I, it I is the right answer. Double check. Very good. So did I. Fact check there. Thank you. Auburn was the last team. South Carolina did go. Kentucky's been, but for the most part, it's been except for Florida when they won back-to-back titles. It's been kind of a dry spell uh, with the SEC. And I thought Cotter O'Gara wrote a really compelling story about the fact that it seems like whenever the committee meets, they just ignore what happens in the SEC basketball tournament. 
But again, I did want to make that correction. It was Auburn in 2019, of course, not South Carolina. In the, now, the South Carolina bas- women's team, that's different. Mississippi State considers Bama their closest rival outside of Mississippi. Well, maybe. Yeah, I mean, um, proximity, obviously. Yeah. 90 minutes, give or take. Yeah. Um, Do you think they want to play Alabama every year? Who, Mississippi State? Yeah. No. I don't either. No. No. But to your in, in LSU, citing uh, NOLA.com did a, a story citing sources that their three opponents are Alabama, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M. I don't necessarily have a problem with that either. I don't either. I know they were pretty I'm wondering upset. how LSU fans feel about well, that. Well, I think they were pretty upset. I don't know why when they got Florida as their uh, uh, opponent for you know home home you know home and home and all that kind of stuff I, I, out of the you know out of the east that that made such a big deal like why are we getting stuck with Florida well you know what if you're a good team you, you shouldn't matter you go out and play the game and uh Texas A&M makes sense to me Ole Miss, obviously, and obviously Alabama. So I don't have a problem with that. Look, there's always going to be discrepancy along yeah, well, the way. Yeah, well, LSU fans were pissed because Alabama at the time had Tennessee, and, and Tennessee right. was terrible. And so, you know, we're 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 hating on Saban right now for the same reason we were kind of hating on LSU back in the day, complaining about Florida. Uh, it's because, you know, well, the other teams don't have to play them. Now, of course— the the three six mod modular has not been totally approved yet, and maybe it has beneath the surface. We just don't know about it, because the SEC was considering three permanent, six rotating, or the one seven, where you play one permanent and seven rotating. So I would think sooner than later we're going to find out uh, what with Oklahoma and Texas coming into the league in two thousand four. So obviously that's going to really shift schedules around. I would think that that's going to be known. Maybe before the SEC spring meetings in uh, Destin. Uh, someone did say LSU needs Arkansas. A couple couple votes for Arkansas on uh, LSU schedule yeah, for, the, under- for could, the boot. I could understand that, too. That's going to be interesting with Oklahoma and Texas. How about Texas? Are they going to have it paired with Texas A&M? They better be. They really need to be. Texas, they have to be. Texas a and is the one that sh- is probably going to get... They should get Texas A&M should get Oklahoma, Texas, Texas, Arkansas. Well, now they got LSU and, though. Well, you got they got LSU, LSU, yeah. If that's correct, but yeah, they should probably have Texas and Oklahoma for sure. All right, we come back. Uh, we're gonna talk some Auburn. Justin Ferguson. We'll ask him among other things. Maybe we'll throw that question at him. Stay with us. Here comes hour number three. It also includes Mike Rodak on Alabama. Continue with your comments. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. All right, 8.04, here we are. It's hour number three. Thanks for hanging with us on this Monday from the studios of WNSP, Mark and Lee. All right, let's check in with uh, Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer. We are efforting. That's a good start. Uh, While we're doing that, some headlines. South Alabama vying for the NCAA tournament for the first time since the 
0708 season, and they'll be taking on Louisiana at the Pensacola Civic Center tonight at 6 o'clock. If you can't make it out there, the game will be telecast on ESPN2 at 6. And also in the headlines, we've had five teams that have already uh, punched their ticket to the NCAA tournament. More on that during the scoreboard. Let's get to Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer. Good morning, sir. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are y'all? Good. Uh, before I want to, we're going to talk about some football with you, and obviously basketball. But we've also been talking about these uh, the, this future scheduling of the SEC. Uh, do you have any idea right now if they went to the three six? Uh, scheduling who the three opponents for Auburn would be? Uh, not not for sure. I know Vanderbilt's been floating around as the third <laughs> opponent, but, um, you know, I, uh, Auburn I, Auburn would have Alabama and Georgia. Um, if they want to go with somebody that, you know, kind of would make sense in terms of history, in terms of, you know, just kind of balancing the schedule out, Mississippi State is actually the team that Auburn has played more than anybody besides Georgia. That would at least make some sense. Uh, I know Vanderbilt's been floated out there. I can't say that that's something that I, you know, is actually going to happen or not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, Alabama, Georgia, pretty much feel like locks. Um, that third one's going to be interesting. Uh, I'm still holding out that uh, Mississippi State would be the one that would make the most sense. Uh, but it'll be very interesting to see what the, the league comes up with. If it is Vanderbilt, is that kind of like a token in the sense that while you're playing <laughs> Alabama and Georgia, we'll, we'll feed you Vanderbilt? Yeah, basically. I mean, that would be the only way that makes sense because Auburn and Vanderbilt don't really have a ton of history together. Um, you know, it's not like it's not like it's a a rivalry or anything like that. Um, so I think that would probably be it. It'd be like, hey, you know, sorry that you had to play Alabama and Georgia uh, either you know at home or the worst ones on the road together for each of the last you know really decade. Uh, we'll give you Vanderbilt, but uh, you know maybe, maybe it won't end up being that way. Maybe it'll end up. Uh, being somebody else, uh, I think more Auburn fans, you know, some would be like, yeah, give us Vanderbilt, we'll take it. I do think, though, um, more Auburn fans, at least the ones that I've kind of seen and heard from, uh, would much rather see somebody that Auburn plays somebody permanently that they have some sort of history with. Um, if you're, you know, schedule is going to be tough no, no matter what. Um, you don't necessarily want to have to, um, you know, load it up with, with cupcakes. Uh, by the way, uh, I have no problem with any team, whether it's Auburn or anybody. If they schedule Alabama and Georgia, they should get Vanderbilt. I mean, there's, there's, but, but the other thing I would say is, do you think? I, I think this would be a lot of fun because I know they went. According to the report, they went back ten years, right? So what if every mm-hmm. ten years we re we re reshuffle the deck, right, and come up with new yeah. permanent opponents? I think that would be. I, not only would I think that would be fair long term but i think it would also add a little interest and a little spice to the scheduling down the road for sure i mean you know most most programs will only have like two you know at the most real rivals that they can that they can say hey we want to play these teams every year um you know i think auburn is definitely one of them um it's hard to pick a third i mean you could go with hey we'd like to play lsu or florida or you know mississippi state or somebody you know where you've got real history with uh, but yeah, if you want competitive balance, if you want to be able to, you know, kind of balance it out as much as you can, uh, which I think is a goal. Um, sure, why not? Why not pull a pull a scenario where, um, you know, you go back to the well, um, you know, every decade or so, and, and try to reorganize it. I think it's more important on this uh, if they go the three six for Auburn that if they split on Alabama and Georgia, so you're not mm-hmm. playing them both on the road the same year and both at home. Maybe go home and you know then on the road, you know. 
every year, so you're not playing them both on the road the same year. Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing that Auburn has really wanted to get off of, uh, really since A&M and, and Missouri joined the league. Um, you know, they want to get off of that really, really uh, badly, and I think that's a scenario where I know Georgia had to play at Auburn back-to-back years uh, in 12 and 13, uh, so it might be a scenario where Auburn would have to play at Georgia back-to-back years just to even it out again. Uh, but, yeah, they, they've got to come off of that. Um, it's really good in these years like these odd number of years where you get to play uh, Georgia and Alabama both at home. And, obviously, the 2013 season, you know, has that really uh, – 2013 and 2017 for Auburn. Um, they're, those those seasons for the Tigers are boosted by the fact that they got to play both Georgia and Alabama in Jordan Hare. Uh, but, I mean, most years when you're on the road, every year it's on the road, it is just a miserable uh, experience to try to play really the two best programs in America, both of their places. Bring us up to date on practice, uh, Auburn football. Yeah, Auburn football uh, had their first week of practice last week, uh, three practices, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. They, they got into the pads on Friday. Uh, they're off this week, though, for spring break. Um, it's one of those weird things where, A-Day was already scheduled uh, for April 8th uh, when the new staff arrived, Um, so they weren't able to really kind of shuffle it. I don't think it's an ideal uh, thing, but what they they tried to do in that first week is just say, hey, everybody get out there, um, get get about as equal reps as possible, rotate the the groups, and then we'll start really evaluating, kind of sorting some things out here this week. Um, So, a big, big week of practices for Auburn. Hugh Freeze seemed really, and the coaching staff seemed really, really uh, pleased with the the energy level, the effort that these guys were giving in the first week of practice. And I think it's because a lot of these dudes are either new. Um, Auburn's got more than 20 guys that are brand new to the team on this spring roster. That's more than a quarter of it. Um, got a ton of assistant coaches that are new. Obviously, the head coach and two systems. And um, I, but I do think. Even with the guys who are coming back, um, there's just this sense of, you know, everything's got wide open um, and, and you have an opportunity to really kind of carve out something for yourself here uh, with these with these battles. And it's the early days. You know, nothing's going to be decided really in terms of who's going to start and all that really until the fall. But um, I do think going through the process of kind of learning these new coaches and these new systems, um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of getting to know you took place in this first week. Uh, for Auburn football, and by all accounts, um, you know, really, really strong first week of practices, uh, especially as far as the effort level and kind of the energy is concerned. It's a new era for Auburn football, and I think um, you know they're they're really trying to kind of tap into that uh, with the with the effort that they're giving early on. Do you know when they have their first scrimmage? So the first scrimmage is supposed to be um, the end of the the second week um, of of practices, so it would be around kind of the seventh. Uh, six or seven practice. Uh, so when they come back next week, um, you, there could be a chance that they do scrimmage on like a Friday or Saturday, um, you know, ne- next week. So that would be the first one that they want to do. They'd get a couple of those in before eight day um, is kind of the goal. So we'll see kind of where, where they end up. Could end up being the early, um, you know, that third week of practice as well, if they wanted to do it that way. Um, but yeah, scrimmage would be coming up here towards the middle of practices. And uh, that'll be that'll be ne- you know after next week. Did the win over Tennessee give you any hope that this uh, Auburn team is making progress and can stay with some of the seeded teams? Yeah, absolutely, uh, I do. And I think here's the thing: Alabama, the Alabama game on Wednesday night, um, you know, was a real heartbreaker because Auburn was up big, um, you know, in that game. And Alabama's just it's so good, so talented. I think they are 
Uh, and, you know, I don't care that they lost A&M on Saturday. I think they're still the best team in the country. Um, but Auburn in these two games, I think, you know, Alabama and Tennessee this past week after getting just floored by uh, Kentucky, um, I think Auburn played their two best games of the season uh, this past week. And I think, you know, when Jedi Broom was out there on the floor when Auburn was at full strength against Alabama, you know, they on the road, they were up by eight uh, when Broom fouled out. So I think, you know, even though the, so there's some of the issues that they've had all year led to that loss to Alabama, led to some tough spots against Tennessee. I do think the fact that Auburn is playing their best basketball at this time of year is really, really helpful because that's what you want to do. Um, you know, Arkansas on Thursday night is going to be a really tough game in the SEC tournament. Um, but I think that win, you know, Auburn's projected to be at eight or a nine seed in the NCAA tournament uh, by most people right now. That's a really good sign because, you know, you don't think one loss would really knock you off. And it really, this Arkansas game can only help you because of how good Arkansas is in the net. Um, so it was, it was a big win. It was a big win for Auburn. I think the big difference for them uh, here down the stretch, since that low-scoring loss to Tennessee and Nashville, Auburn shooting nearly 39% from deep. Uh, that's the best mark of anybody in the SEC. So they are shooting, um, finally, they are shooting the ball better when, it, when, when the season's coming down to the wire. And, uh, that, that should give you some hope if you're an Auburn fan. Hey, man, uh, never short any storylines. How can people get the latest and greatest on all things Auburn? Yeah, AuburnObserver.com, sign up there. It's a great time to sign up with all the postseason basketball coverage and all the spring football coverage as well. We've got newsletters. We've got podcasts. We've got a ton of stuff there up on the site, and we'll have even more throughout the week. Sign up, AuburnObserver.com. It's like $40 for your first year uh, if you are a subscriber. We're doing a deal between now and the end of A-Day weekend. Uh, so AuburnObserver.com, get it. It's our cheapest sale yet, $40 for a full year. Um, it's it, it's the best time to sign up. And everything we do gets sent to your email inbox. We'll have a ton of it throughout the week. Justin, great stuff, man. As always, we really do appreciate the time. Have a good one. Absolutely. Y'all too. <laughs> All right. Scoreboard traffic and weather next. The opening kickoff continues. Mike Rodak in 15 minutes on Alabama. Continue with those comments in the app. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hi, this is Saran Stacy. You're listening to WNSB 105.5. Down to 11 seconds left. Here's Luka Doncic driving, spinning on a Kobe, getting deep, creating space, missed the shot. Durant gets the rebound. Doncic was upset he missed the shot that he didn't foul Durant. Hey, it's 822. Thanks for hanging with us. Uh, Mark and Lee here on WNSP. A little uh, little NBA. We got a couple NBA issues we got to get to here in a second. But I want to tell you uh, about Medicare Insurance Advisors and our good friend Aiden Marks over there. Uh, Medicare Insurance Advisors is an independent Medicare insurance and dental insurance firm. Uh, they're local. They're locally owned and community-driven Um and they're contracted out to a bunch of different multiple carriers, Medicare Advantage, Medicare Supplement, Medicare Part D, other services. So if you're new to the area or if you're, you know, within a year of retiring, you need to call Aiden Marks here. He, uh, he's been in the Medicare business for 13 years. Um, there's never a fee for his service, but there's a lot of Medicare in- information out there, and uh, you're going to have questions. So if you're confused, if you're tired of nonstop solicitation calls, if you need a local agent, Aid Marks is your guy. He's uh, local, he's knowledgeable, and he has a physical location. You can go see him in his office, Highway 98 across from Terry Thompson Chevrolet. Go see him. He can come see you. Give him a call. 
463-0031. That's 463-0031. Aiden Marks, Medicare Insurance Advisors. All right, so there are a couple of uh, – we talked about one of the NBA issues earlier today and uh, John Morant and the gun and going on and being on – well, I guess it was Instagram. Um, we can get back into that. But there's another issue now, people going after Giannis a little bit because he had nine rebounds. And there at the end of the game, Lee, did you see this? Yes. He yeah. threw it off the – backboard for lack of a better way of I mean he basically missed a shot so that he could get a cheap r- rebound to get the triple when double. I saw that my first thought was well did somebody somebody must have told him about that because usually NBA players they don't keep track of the stats unless somebody's there yelling at him or something like or sometimes they'll tell the coach keep him in he's only two points away from this or that I'm a little surprised at that because first of all you don't think of Giannis as a triple double machine uh, like you do some of the other players like Don Chick and Jokic and things like that. But I'm I'm curious. This is a guy that was coming back from a wrist injury and everything. Uh, why would you be that concerned about something like that? It's not going to increase your salary anything. You're already making buttloads of money and so forth. The team has got the best record in the NBA. I'm just curious. Did somebody tell him, get in his ear and say, miss the shots so he can get a rebound? I, I don't see how this actually came I, I can't believe – I know he did it on purpose, right? He yes. Missed, although he's not a good free-throw shooter, right? I mean, he's not the best free-throw shooter. So did he do it on purpose or did he – was it a, an, an intentional miss or did he accidentally miss it? Because he's not exactly gold at the line. But when some, But somebody had to tell him if that was the case because he wouldn't have known. Yeah, I'm sure – well, there are a couple things there to unpack there in that little <laughs> dissertation. One, uh, yes, he knew about it. How he knew about it, I don't know. I'm sure he, uh, I'm sure that he had guys in his ear for sure. Why did he do it? Probably you answered his own the, your own question because he rarely, if ever, gets the triple double. But I don't like it. I don't like it. Like he didn't even he didn't even try to like make the shot. Free throws had nothing to do with it because of the end of the game. Yeah, he didn't need the. He was they he were running the out. Rebound. He was running out the clock. He literally got a board on one end, dribbled to the other. Everybody stopped playing. He went up to the 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 goal and basically threw it against the backboard once, caught it, and then held it. Um, what's wha- the problem there, Mark? What's the problem? What's the problem? You say you don't like it. What's the problem? It's uh individual uh, goals rather than team goals one that but that's the nba for you though. yeah it's that's, it's all about me and that was that's but that's, usually usually he's double digits in rebounds it's what was the other assists i'm guessing it wasn't block shots i'm sure yeah, it was points rebounds assists yeah i'm usually he's a double double he's double double most of the time that's very unusual but is it that important to him to have a triple double i mean it's not like jokic I mean, or donchick did it hurt anyone or did it – it's not like he had to do any extra efforting to get it. It was just, hey, look, I'm going to hold this ball for the next five seconds anyway. Why don't I just bounce it off the backboard real quick and then I get a triple-double? What's the problem? If they really didn't want him to get it, Corey Kispert, he was right there behind him. He, he would have slapped the ball. Oh, it's one of those stop me from doing it. If right, you don't. How did he know about it, though? I can't imagine. Believe, people were, I feel like people were telling him. On, like the weirdest part of the whole but thing. But who was telling I'm him? I'm sure a teammate just told him, hey, man, you got nine rebounds. 
Or maybe he looked at the stat sheet before he went back on the floor. Oh, I got to get me one rebound. The bench was telling. I mean, it. the guys were telling him he needed one more rebound. It just, it just seems. I'm, I'm trying to think of the right word. It's not. You're, you're just, you're just upset to be upset. No, no, it? I'm not. I love Giannis. I, Giannis is one of my favorite guys. I've always loved Giannis. Right, it so just seems so insincere. It just seems insincere to who? His family. <laughs> the game. His brother. Like it just, it's a. It just, it's not, it's, it goes down as a rebound, but was it, is it really a rebound? Yes. Why? Because he missed a shot. Did he shoot it? Yes. No, he threw it against the backboard. No, it hit the rim. Did it? I'll have to go back and watch. <laughs> yeah, I didn't look okay. at that, See, no, that didn't make any sense, though. You're, you can't, is your whole tune going to change? If no. You raise the rim no. instead of the backboard? No, but I was going to correct myself if I was wrong. Oh. I mean, but he literally under he threw it under. I know, but it's not y'all are acting like he went over there and was like, "Oh, I need to get five rebounds." I was like, "Doom, doom, doom, doom." Would that have been any different though? Would you have felt that, any different if he had done that? That would have been different. Why? The guy was standing right there. If he didn't want him to get the triple double, then well, then he, stop at him from that doing point. It. After he did it the first time, you're knocking it out of bounds. You're not getting four more in a row. You don't know that. Yeah, you do. You don't know that. You're not going to let Giannis break the rebounding record in the final minute of a game, just dribbling it off the back. You let him get one. All you had to do was stop him. You see, you can't have it both ways. You can't feel one way about him doing it once as opposed to him doing it four or five times. Yes, you can. No, why? It's the same thing. It's one. Dude Dude is holding the ball for like four seconds, misses a shot. Would you be, what, if, what if he only had six rebounds at that point and he went and did it four times? Would you have a problem with it? I if he were able to pull, if he were able to pull it off, no, I'd be like, you know what, that that's embarrassing for Washington. They really just let the dude just get four straight rebounds. Eh. All right, eight thirty-two. By the way, if anybody has a basketball rules expert that they know, we need to get them on because we started talking about all sorts of hypotheticals at the at the uh, at the break there. Me and Triple G, we'll get into that maybe a little bit later. Uh, we continue here on the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee. Uh, by the way, the the idea of uh, that triple double. Somebody said it's a cheap way to get a triple double, and someone else just called us boomers. Either way. Uh, it's an, it's a fascinating conversation that we will we will pick up here and maybe a little bit later in our show. Uh, let's talk some Alabama, Lee. Mike Rodak, AL.com. Mike, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Glad to be back in the nice warm south. It got a little chilly up there in Indy the last couple of days. You just answered my first question. So you're back home. <laughs> you're not at the combine. But while you were there, who were some of the players? And if you want to target the Alabama players who uh, basically maybe helped their draft status. Yeah, definitely. It's always kind of when you're going there as um, you know, a college beat writer. I can't say I pay too much attention to kind of you know the actual combine results and and to be honest like most people who are there even nfl people are terribly interested in what those some of those numbers are and uh there's a lot of debate about the future of the combine and, and what it all means it's really more of a, a socializing networking event for a lot of people around the league and in the media but in terms of alabama players i mean 
we kind of went into it knowing Bryce wouldn't work out, which would have been one of the main attractions. But we did still learn his true height and weight, which it's been, you know, three years of, of a mystery there. Um, so that was one thing. And, you know, I'd say as expected, um, not that that erases any questions about it, but it was right around where we expected. Um, you know, Will Anderson running the 40, I think, was another highlight at, at 4-6, um, which is pretty good, you know, for a guy who, you know, he could play either position at the NFL level, 4-3 um, defensive end or 3-4 outside linebacker. I think that gives him some versatility. Um, you know, Jameer Gibbs running a 4-3-6. Uh, yesterday was, was pretty impressive. I think that's the, the best uh, an Alabama running back has, has ever ran at the combine. Um, and, you know, that's that's a guy who actually, he said he ran a 4-3-2 at Georgia Tech his freshman year. So maybe he was mad that uh, he wasn't quite that fast, but, you know, a lot of these numbers are going up, too. It seems like there's a record set every year because guys are just getting faster and they're training for it longer and they're essentially training for it from the time they're in, you know, elementary school. Um, so, you know, there's just more and more athletic guys every year. You look around. So, Mike, let me ask you something. And, and, and again, you can only go on reports you read. And does Bryce Young's draft stock drop a little bit because of the height and weight and then I'm reading all this stuff about Anthony Richardson being right now, the betting line has him second quarterback to be drafted. And I'm like, you're putting him in the same breath as Bryce Young? Yeah, so with Bryce, you know, I don't think it drops anything because that's, that's where people expect it. I know, you know, Alabama listed him at six feet. I don't think anybody truly believes that. Um, I think everybody expected him to be in the 5'10", 5'11 range. And, um, you know, maybe he was a smidge on the, on the lower end of that scale at five ten and one eighth, but um, you know the the weight was probably a little bit better than a what he was listed at at Alabama and b what people might have expected. He was at two hundred four, um, which helps. You know, I think there's obviously going to be a concerns about him being able to see over the line of scrimmage and not have passes batted down because at the end of the day, he has all these comparisons to Kyler Murray because of his size, but he's not Kyler Murray as a player. He wants to be a pocket passer, and if you're in the pocket, you got to be able to see over. NFL offensive lineman, NFL defensive lineman, and yeah, you come close to that in the SEC. It's not you know quite the same level, but you know, he did a good job of that too. So that's one concern. You know, the weight I think is, is more of a durability issue. Can he take all these hits at the NFL level? And you know, I think he's good at avoiding hits. He's certainly elusive and knows when to go down. He doesn't run that often, so that shouldn't be a huge concern. But I do think there's just generally going to be a whoever takes him number one. Right now, it seems like he's still going to go number one they're still going to do it with some level of trepidation about drafting a quarterback that small, just because there's not a whole lot of precedent, but with Richardson, you know, it's, it's always, there's a difference between college production and NFL potential. And that's always been the case. And a guy like Josh Allen, who was honestly not that great at Wyoming was drafted because he had all the potential of a six foot five, 240 guy with a rocket arm and can run. And the bills, turned him into a great NFL quarterback. And I think people will look at Anthony Richardson the same way, looking at the raw size, the raw ability, you know, the, the testing numbers he put up over the weekend. And yeah, his, his production wasn't great at Florida, but they're going to see him as we can build him, mold him into something that's great at the NFL level, um, as opposed to a guy who's a more limited athlete who put up great numbers in college, but just maybe has a ceiling that's a little bit lower. Well, speaking about a quarterback who, put together a nice uh, college career. Talk about Stetson Bennett. Did he help himself at all up there in Indianapolis? 
Yeah, to be honest, I, I didn't even see where he tested, um, what his numbers were. But, you know, he's a guy who's not – he's short. That that doesn't help. You know, he does have some athleticism. I don't think people give him a lot of credit for. Um, and, you know, there's going to be questions about sort of the off-field stuff after his arrest in, in the offseason. And just, you know, he's got a little bit of a, a swagger to him. I, I think we'll get – um, I don't want to say beaten out of him in an NFL locker room, but I, I do wonder how that will play um, in an NFL locker room. So, you know, there's there's questions about him. He's limited. You know, I think that's more of the category of a guy who's going to go in the, the third to fifth round range. Um, and, you know, he's probably going to be a backup in the NFL for a while unless he can really come on and, and show himself to be a starter. But, again, just kind of comes back to the – the potential versus the uh, the production debate, and I think NFL teams generally are going to lean towards potential. Mike Rodak, AL.com. Did you have a chance to sit in or hear Javon Carter? Uh, so Jalen Carter, Jalen, he, never, um, he never spoke to us in Indy, so that was a pretty interesting situation because he was you know, on the schedule on Wednesday, um, and basically and a couple hours before that is when the Atlanta Journal-Constitution published their story about his involvement in the, um, you know, the Georgia car accident. And um, really it was, I think, a half hour before is when the arrest warrant, um, the news of that came out. So, you know, I, it's one of those things where you wonder if there was some intentionality on the part of the police down there, if he wasn't cooperating with them, but they're going to put this stuff out at a, at a bad time for him. And, you know, he never ended up talking to us and that had to go fly back down to Athens to turn himself in and then fly back to Indy. So, um yeah, we never talked to him. Warren McClendon, the other Georgia offensive lineman, you know, was there at the um, at the scene. Um, basically, declined to talk about it as well. I'm sure from a legal standpoint too. Hey, Mike, do you know why Bryce Young decided not to throw in Indianapolis and wait for the pro day? Any particular reason why? He doesn't need to. <laughs> I think that's really the biggest reason. Is uh, there's no reason to expose yourself and potentially to not not perform well when you're already the number one overall pick and. I don't think there's any NFL team that's going to be sitting there in Indy saying, oh, man, we didn't get to see Bryce Young throw. You know, we're not going to pick him. Um, so that's kind of the luxury you have when you're at that you know, high of a level in the draft is you just don't need to. Um, and, you know, you can do it your pro day. And the good thing about your pro day is more under your control. I mean, you're throwing to your receivers. It's on your home field. Um, it's kind of your script. And everything is, is a much more controlled environment. Uh, than going to Indy and trying to do it. So he doesn't, I'm honestly, he doesn't need to throw at his pro day either. He can just walk into April, and I think teams will still draft him based on his film. Um, so, yeah, it's it's just a situation where it's just simply there's no benefit. There's the benefit risk calculation there um, just meant that he shouldn't have done it. I'm with you. I don't pay that much attention, I mean, as far as the draft. But, again, I'm not a NFL official, but I will ask you why you were up there. Did, was there any athlete up there that the wow factor? Wow, this guy can't miss, or he did some phenomenal running or broad jump or whatever? Yeah, I'd say Darnell Washington, um, which we already kind of knew just from watching George the last couple of years. But for a guy to be 6'7", six, six, yeah, six, 270, I think it is, 265, and – he ran into four fours, and I don't know if you saw that one-handed catch he made during drills in Indy. I mean, that's a that's a rare skill set to have that sort of size, athleticism, skill, um, and you know, definitely helped himself. He didn't have a ton of production at Georgia, but he was also playing with Brock Bowers. So, um, the guy who, yeah, I don't know exactly where he's predicted. I wouldn't be shocked if it's you know, 
early day two sort of pick, um, just based on you know teams kind of again love potential, and if you can build that guy into something at the NFL level, you can be great. And it kind of speaks too to you know Alabama is recruiting at tight end versus Georgia. I mean Georgia's recruited much, much, much better at tight end the last couple of years. Alabama hasn't. I mean they went into the transfer portal for for CJ Dupree, but. I mean, if they're going to run a more tight end heavy offense with Tommy Reese, which I'm still not convinced of, you got to recruit some of these guys like Bowers and Darnell Washington, and Alabama just hasn't. Mark and I have spent some time on that Nick Saban story, and if you you wrote the story based on uh, Sports Illustrated, what was your reaction to supposedly the comments by Nick Saban about the three teams that he might? have to face year in and year out with the uh, SEC schedule being LSU, Auburn, and, of course, Tennessee? Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where um, (laughs) I think rightfully there's going to be a lot of college football fans that are going to kind of laugh at it. You know, Nick Saban's whining again and um, Alabama's complaining, et cetera. And I don't think Nick Saban cares about that. Um, You know, and I think there's some validity to that, too. I mean, they already play all three of those teams every year. Saban's argument is more – those three teams relative to what other schools, three teams are. And look, it, it, everything changes. I don't think there's a perfect way for the sec to, you know, make this even and equal when two years ago, you think about Tennessee and they were awful under Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, a couple of years ago, you think of Ole Miss under uh, Matt Luke and they were terrible. A couple of years ago, you think of Arkansas under Chad Morris and they were terrible. And all three of those teams are much better now. Um, and, and things just kind of go in cycles and, you know, I don't think there's any perfect way to make it all even. Um, and so I think, you know, the SEC has tried. And at the end of the day, it's still, you know, there's TV considerations. I think people would much rather watch Alabama versus LSU every year versus Alabama, Mississippi State. And Saban, who's always said he's he wants to play the best teams and, and play the best games, I think should go along with that. Um, so I was slightly surprised to see him, you know, complaining about it. I don't think there's going to be any changes because of it i think it's the sec is just going to keep on keeping on and um within the next month or two we're going to hear about this schedule being finalized and they're going to play auburn lsu and tennessee every year and then the other six will rotate and i think over the course of that four-year cycle things will just tend to even out you know across the 16 teams i suggested mike uh that you know whether it's eight years from now or ten years from now, we reshuffle the deck and 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 come up with another quote unquote permanent opponent schedule. I mean, I think that would add a little spice to things and 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 maybe offset whatever current trends or maybe bring balance long term. I mean, it wouldn't. It certainly wouldn't bring any balance to the kids that are going through the program at the time, but certainly it would add a little intrigue to to scheduling down the road. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where for most teams, I think you can pick at least one, usually two pretty obvious common opponents. You know, like Auburn has Georgia and Alabama. Alabama has Tennessee and Auburn. The third one tends to be where it's a little bit more of a force. Um, and so like, I was thinking the NFL, you know, does it by if, like, if you finish first in your division, then the next year there's one slot in your schedule where you will play the team that finished first in a different division. You know, like the Bills will play the Chiefs next year because they both finished first. And so that kind of accounts for... running out of time. Kisberg off the mark. Another rebound there to Giannis. He's going to finish one rebound shy of a triple-double. And that'll do it. Oh, he got it. 
It was Bush League. Take that man's rebound away. He played that and played some like Eagles. Oh my gosh. That's a that was a that's a crucial talking point. The Eagles are not, sir. Yeah, but did you see the rebound? No. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure you'll show it to me in my lifetime. But here's the deal. Can I look, I care a lot about sports. I even watched the Knicks and Celtics last night. Okay. But does anybody care if Giannis gets a triple-double? I mean, the guy is a double-double machine. They got the best record in the league. He's not considered triple-double material, so who really cares whether he does or not? Well, if he's not, he's not anywhere if he's doing near. Some, but if he does something that he doesn't normally do and he's considered one of the great NBA players of, of on, on the court today, that's newsworthy. Um. To you, maybe not so much to me, because I look at the people who normally were like, you remember when Russell Westbrook was a triple double machine and was going for the record. So a guy, that normally, Denver. Gets, a guy that normally gets triple doubles, getting a triple double is more newsworthy than a guy that never gets triple. Well, doubles, you know, the funny one? thing is, if you told me he was a triple double or like he was close, I would say, oh, yeah, he gets double double points and rebounds every game. I was shocked he had the assist. Or did they beef that up, too? Here, watch this here. Well, well. <laughs> Watch him, watch him get that that rebound there, and tell me if well, you I'm change your mind. So um, I'm not disputing the fact while, that while Lee watches uh, that. Oh, this is ridiculous! He just stopped. Oh, th- yeah, I, I see your point. That that's see that's what the NBA's got. Now it could go into another issue. That's where the NBA's got a real problem. Uh, competitiveness. Competitiveness. Uh, it was a six point game. That's a competitive game. But he he's walking to the basket because it's over. Exactly. Oh, you just said it. It's over. What All were you right, going to say? Show, about show that to me what again. Do you mean? What I, I have to see exactly? this. How how is it that Lee does two segments on this topic without actually seeing it, and I've, now <laughs> does a complete 180 after he's seen the play? Hey, mind your Listen, own business. Y'all. Look at so this. In he's walking. Four. All right. Bob Sura of the Hawks. He tried to record his third. But the guy's not even defending him. In a game. Why does Why is the guy number twenty four? Who is that? Who's twenty four? Because the game's it's, over. They all stop playing. It's Corey Kispert. So he gets a rebound listen, after the listen. game is over. Yes. So look, this guy tried to record a rebound at the very end of the game. He purposely missed a layup to get his own rebound. The NBA would then disallow the shot because Sura had no intention of actually making the field goal attempt. Okay. So it's basically the same thing that Giannis did, but now we're counting it. See, that looked like something in the All-Star game. He just but walked d- did in. You look at, he didn't even hit the rim. That was your whole argument. If it hits the rim, it's a shot. It didn't even hit the rim. Look, man, it was a shot, <laughs> right? That's what they're counting like, it like, as. Like he the got NBA. his triple-double. I, I don't want to get on this. For the guy. I don't want to get in the kick because they'll get Nick's feathers all flurried up there about the NBA's problems. You know, add this to them. Man, the NBA just had its best week they've ever had. You said every that last game was week. Competitive, every double overtime. Every time you winners. come on this show, you say it's the greatest night of the NBA. You you have no clue. No, it it, it just happens to get better every single night. Better than what? You people have no when the clue. Bulls used to you go, mean when, you people? When the Bulls used to go out <laughs> and play. I'm watching the NBA. When, when Y'all the, are watching the highlights. Y'all are like all these kids nowadays on your TikToks and your Instagrams. Y'all ain't sitting okay, down. Okay, Nick. And your YouTubers over Nick, here. Nick, let's get serious, okay? Seriously, now, without kidding around on this, why do I hear on so many talk shows 
about commentators coming on and saying the NBA's issues are lack of competitiveness, obviously load management, the guys aren't really trying out there. I mean, you can say what you want about this being the greatest night, but you're young. You don't remember back to when they had games between the Chicago, you know, Chicago Bulls and Detroit Pistons and things like that when they really went, you know, you'd never see that kind of stuff uh, back when a guy going in and floating up a little shot like that and getting credit for a rebound. Well, actually, the first time it happened was um, in the year. <laughs> this date in history. I don't even remember the guy you said, Bob Sierra. I don't even know who that Ricky is. Ricky Davis. Who? Y'all remember Ricky Davis? Um, Not really. Who did he play for? The Cavs. Okay. I, I'm not familiar with him. I'm not familiar with him. Back in the day. In your, in your prime era of basketball, as you say. Did they count it? No, they didn't, actually. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but listen, Lee. Well, my prime's different than yours, okay? Look, my prime is way you back. Cannot, you cannot watch these NBA games lately between these great teams and say that this is not competitive basketball. You just can't say that. What about when the Sixers just came back against the Bucks and snapped their 16-game win streak? No, it's not me saying it so much as it is the outside world talking you, heads. You say it a lot, though, Lee. But that's that's the narrative out there now that it's that that's what I'm telling you that the the issue with the NBA is severe. Well, the people reason are, that people talk about it so much is because it's a point that, that gets people stirred up. If you hate the NBA, it supports your point. If you like the NBA, it gets you angry and you're going to comment and be mad. But I like the NBA, but I still have to be realistic about it. And I actually did stay up and watch the Knicks and Celtics last night. And was that not a great game? It was a great game. Double overtime. It really was. A lot, well, lot of good basketball, people. We got to open our eyes. We got to be open-minded, okay? I uh I just wish Giannis was more of an upstanding guy like you know Morant. Played the game with. So leave your gun at oh, the yeah. counter. Don't don't take your gun to the court. But both of, both of them don't be shooting for real, right? <laughs> 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 All right, that does it for another edition of the opening kickoff. The Dan Patrick Show's next. We're back at it tomorrow at six. Until then, see ya.